You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest, bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. And now here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guests today, Bjorn Eric Hansen and Nathaniel Morris, they are both co-founders of Intium. We're going to talk about the world of cannabis and psychedelics and uh, really kind of altered states uh, and sexual wellness uh, and sexual health and uh, sexual exploration experiences. Fascinating topic, uh, you know, not just because of sex, but because of really, I think, one of the interesting things that uh, psychedelics and cannabis and, you know, all the different forms of kind of uh, these compounds do is enable us to really contemplate ourselves in different kind of different ways and different formats uh, and really kind of understand um, our context, our experience, our egos, the world, our relationship to things and people. So uh, I think this is just a fascinating subject and I'm really excited what they're doing here and the fact that they're tackling this uh, and to kind of hear the story uh, and where they're going and what they're learning um, and what the future is going to hold. So with all that, Bjorn, Nathaniel, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Bruce. Why don't we do this? I want to hear a little bit of your backstories and then about the company. Uh, let's start with Nathaniel. Tell us a little bit about um, your just whole kind of experience with this, with psychedelics, with the science, with sexual health. And then we'll let Bjorn give his and we'll talk a little bit about the history of the company. Sure. Sounds good. Well, th thanks again for having me, Bruce. So, yeah, I'm, I've been in the cannabis space for more than 20 years. I guess the thing that I'm best known for is I operated an experimental medical cannabis farm in Northern California that was on a Discovery Channel show about a decade ago where I provided CBD for a, a young child with epilepsy. Sure, yeah. So I, I was one of the original people that was that was studying pediatric epilepsy and, and how cannabinoids can, can be used to successfully um, eliminate seizures. And there was a, a major breakthrough that happened where they discovered that the way that people experience epilepsy actually has a lot of overlap with the way that people experience orgasms. And on a neurological level, there, there's a parallel there. And be, being from the cannabis space, I knew that people were using cannabis to enhance orgasms. And I was right on the ground floor for people realizing how powerful cannabis was for mitigating seizures. And I had a hypothesis that the two were related and that the, the underlying mechanism made cannabis effective was its capacity to affect this rhythmic entrainment discovery. And mm -hmm. so that that just pivoted my research. And rather than focusing on on epilepsy, I, I began my research into sex. And I my wife and I moved up to Canada where where psychedelics are also legal peyote specifically. And so we, we expanded our research into studying both how cannabis and psychedelics affect the rhythmic entrainment process. And, and that led us to writing a book called Transforming Orgasms with Psychedelics, Cannabis, and Science. And um, the when when we released that book, it was great because we, we got to meet a great number of people in the space that were doing interesting research in, in cannabis and psychedelics and, and how they affect sexual experiences. 
And one of the one of the best people I met was Bjorn, and we we hit it off right away. And we both had similar visions of where the the sexual wellness space was going with all these new technologies that were coming online. And we ended up joining forces and securing some IP. And I'll let Bjorn get into that <laughs> a little bit. But there's my background. I love it. I love it. That's great. Uh, Bjorn, give us your story. Yeah, so my name is Bjorn. I'm originally from Norway. My background is electrical engineer. I lived in Miami for about 20 years. I've been working with uh, a lot of different things, uh, particularly in the technology um, space. I've uh, been working with uh, cruise ships. I've been working with uh, space tech. I've been working in different type of fields. And um, through that, I met somebody in the pharmaceutical industry and I I helped him to raise some capital and also we became very good friends. So that's how I got into the pharmaceutical industry. And also that made me open a company here in Miami uh, focusing on psychedelics. And this was about three years ago when uh, it was not fully mainstream yet, but there were some news about uh, MindMed with JRN. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, I was just fascinating to see that we are actually bringing this medicine uh, out to the public because it has so much medical potentials and for healing and so on. So I, I've been using psychedelics before and, and it's uh, really helped me in different type of ways to, to, to know myself and to get to know myself. And, uh, and uh, it's just, I've seen so many people using it and the healing potential. So that made me get into the psychedelic space and wanted to open a um, biotech company. It didn't take very long for me to um, figure out which indication and compounds that I wanted to, to work with. Okay. And uh, I saw the potential with MDMA for the sexual wellness. So I went into that and we've been developing MDMA formulation and uh, the target indication was HSDD for premenopause women. Okay. Uh, then I, I've been working for this for two years, and then I met uh, Nathaniel through his uh, launch of his book. As he said, uh, we had a great conversation. We also discussed the future of the, the sexual wellness space, so we teamed up, and right now we are are building a, a AI tech solution, and uh, Nate, he can dive a little uh, more into that, what what that uh, solution is. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit on kind of this problem space that you're grappling with. I'm curious how much of this is, do you envision, you know, short-term and long-term dealing with more of kind of, I guess I'll call it sexual challenges, sexual dysfunction, sexual trauma, you know, people that are limited in their you know, enjoyment, pleasure, use, uh, experience of sex versus kind of a more general enhancing sexual experiences for general public. I mean, I, I guess how much are you looking at this as kind of therapeutic treating particular conditions versus just general exploration of sex and, you know, sexual enhancement? It's a great question. So I'll say that our focus is certainly on the therapeutic applications where, where that, that's definitely that's definitely our, our primary objective. That said, there, there's a real awareness that a big part of the challenges that people experience broadly are often rooted in a failure of sexual education. And just yeah. our, the, a lot of the scientific discoveries, a lot of the medical breakthroughs, a lot of just the, the greater scientific understanding around sexuality isn't being well disseminated to the general public. And in its place, very often people end up leaning on pornography as as their sure. sexual educator. And 
There, you know, there can be a positive role for some types of pornography without a doubt, but it it was never intended to be the, to fill the role of educating people about sexuality. Yeah. And because of that, there's a lot of corrosive things that have emerged as a result. And so our intent is to primarily focus on people that are have experienced sexual trauma or have some kind of sexual challenge that they're that they're hoping to overcome. And the thinking is that those are the people that are going to seek out a, a technology solution like our own. But that said, the vast majority of people that struggle with sexual health and sexual wellness issues don't identify themselves as somebody who has that. That's just a reality of their experiences. Yeah. And so to the extent that we can provide a service that offers sexual education, I think that that could help a lot of people who don't consider themselves to be experience any type of sexual dysfunction, but still could benefit from from some sexual education. Yeah, it certainly strikes me as this is an area where we do not have good even kind of medical or cultural norms about sexual health. And, you know, it's, it's so yeah, it is, it is so obfuscated just culturally and not discussed, you know, openly that I, I could see that even this whole kind of understanding of where am I in my kind of sexuality and understanding kind of quote unquote normalcy is very abstract, I think, for for most people, unless you're kind of really in this space and and I've done the research and understand culturally where we are and where we've been. Absolutely. And when yeah. you when you add the complexity of the, the human relationship with psychoactive substances and like our focus is on cannabis and psychedelics because they have healthy applications and can yeah. can play a positive role in people's lives. But we're also cognizant of the reality that like the human species very often tends to mix drugs and sex. And mm -hmm. very often people's experience of addiction go hand in hand with sexual activity and the almost everybody who's active in the psychedelic space that we've spoken to about this has had their own experiences of mixing psychedelics and sex. It seems to be how we're naturally wired to do things. And that that plays a very significant role in terms of sexual education because, you know, we, we really badly in terms of how we educate society on sexual matters and we do an even worse job in drug education and our, our broader drug policy has failed. And those two things really need to go hand in hand because in our society, they tend to go hand in hand. Like human mating rituals almost always involve alcohol or some kind yeah. of, you know, psychoactive substance and music. That's, a, that's another component yep. of it that often gets overlooked. Yeah. yeah. It does seem like there is this kind of either using substances as a tool to enhance the experience or, or somehow block some part of the experience, which might be, you know, or get over something which allows you to the more enjoy it or to, you know, soften something that would otherwise block you from it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Let me, let me ask Bjorn on this one, just to kind of get in a little bit of the science behind it. I guess from a scientific point of view, how much of this for you is you know, kind of a neurological, pharmacological kind of process that happens inside the body, how much of it is kind of mindset or a psychological process? I mean, how, how do you, I guess, do you differentiate? And if so, how do you differentiate the different kind of things that are happening when we're dealing with quote unquote sex, you know, or the subject that you're trying to really work with people on? Yeah. So there, like you said, like there's a lot of like blockages. Sometimes people are uh, afraid to to express themselves and, and, you know, when they're trying to be with somebody and open up, it's not so easy. So if you use, for example, like compounds like MDMA, it uh, mimics the neuroactivity of love, which makes people more openly. And also it's easier for people to communicate regarding our platform. When they use it, uh, it's, they are 
are engaged with it uh, with all of their privacy and it also learns how what is their preferences and and uh, what they like when it comes to stimulus stimulations and stuff like that so i think there's a lot of potential in um, in uh, the platform that we're building and also with psychedelics for opening up people and engaging them into a sexual activity so talk to me a little bit more about the actual solution. So you're, you know, working with psychedelics, you've got some tech. I mean, where, where have you landed in terms of kind of the systems, the protocols, the tech, you know, that you find, you know, start creating some interesting results or you feel are going to be helpful for folks in, in dealing with this? Sure, absolutely. So essentially, what, when we talk about AI-driven solutions in the sexual wellness space, what, what we're trying to do in a big picture view, I guess, is, is we're trying to hack the human sexual arousal system. And, and what you, the, the question you asked was really on the nose in terms of like, are, do we view this as a, as a chemistry issue or is this a, a psychological thing? And the answer is a whole lot of both. And one of the reasons that cannabis and psychedelics can be so powerful in the sexual arousal space is because the chemicals that are responsible for the, for the reward and pleasure response in human sexual arousal are mimicked by chemicals found in the cannabis plant and by the, by the chemicals that, that are triggered through psychedelics. So <laughs> the two go very much hand in hand. And beyond that, the, the challenges that people experience can radically affect the, the experience itself. And the, one of the things that doesn't get widely talked about when we talk about sexual education, but is something that the scientific community really understands now, is, the, is this idea that there's a, there's a dual control system around human sexual arousal. And what, it, it sounds crazy to think about it, but it, there's actually two different operators inside the human brain. Yeah. And one of them is noticing things that are, are sexual in the environment. And the other one is noticing reasons not to be turned on. And the two don't always agree, but the, like very often when you know somebody is struggling with se- with sexual arousal or say they're experiencing some type of sexual dysfunction or some type of challenge, it's specific to one of those things. It's it's not and so certain psychedelics and certain ty- times can- certain types of cannabis applications have the capacity to, for instance, turn off the distraction button that that is mm-hmm. like or you know or. Other another type of psychedelic might have the capacity to introduce you to a new arousing stimuli that wasn't arousing until you took it, but now is. And so the it's it's a completely dynamic substance. And a, and so what we've done is we've built this platform that tries to tries to control for as many variables as possible, so we can see the signal through the noise using artificial intelligence. So how what what is an experience actually? look like or feel like or like what would in terms of what you're trying to induce with folks and what do they go through sure so okay so the discovery that i was talking about earlier around rhythmic entrainment yeah that that's really key to understanding our technological solution and it's it's something that i wish was just part of general education when we learn about sex because the when i read it i was blown away and it like it, it seems so obvious when you speak about it but it, yeah. but until you do it never really clicks but Sexuality at its core, sexual activity is all rhythmic in nature. And I had never thought about it in those terms, but like genital stimulation is all Mm -hmm. rhythmic. The vocalizations, the sounds that turn people on, those are all rhythmic. All of the like the visual stimuli are all rhythmic in nature. And that that is fundamental to the process of rhythmic entrainment, that escalating sensory absorption and trance that comes through a sexual experience. That's all induced on a neurological level because of these different rhythmic stimuli that are stacking on top of each other. 
And there's huge parallels between that and the musical experiences. Sure. And when we, when we started to try to hack the sexual experience and figure out like what we can do to alter the rhythmic entrainment experience and enhance it, very quickly we discovered polyrhythms. And polyrhythms are, in music theory, the idea of what makes certain music more danceable than other music. And the, the way that it works is it's different rhythms that are layered on top of each other that sync up to a common downbeat. And they evoke these experiences in people of intense like sensory absorption and building momentum and tension and release. And the you know it, that comes out of African drumming. That's like some of the earliest music that that featured polyrhythms. But it was present in the jazz scene. Yeah, and the you know and that's really when music and cannabis became like closely intertwined in the in the public psyche. Was when you know jazz musicians started using cannabis to enhance polyrhythms, and people consumed cannabis and appreciated polyrhythms more. Yep. And then when you know we developed music that could use that used computers, we got really good at polyrhythms, and that's all of the music that we associate with psychedelics, all of the rave music, the dance, sure. the trance, all of that music uses polyrhythms. And there's that's not a coincidence. It's the yep. you know those types of, of drugs enhance people's experience. Oh, all of those experiences they have they have this effect where they they can enhance the experience of polyrhythms and make it a more immersive sensory absorption. And that's the reason why those genres of music are saturated with cannabis and psychedelics. And it's also the reason why cannabis and psychedelics can be so effective at, at enhancing sexual experiences. So. What our system does is it it uses it, it we call it a form of music therapy, but it's essentially a, an artificial intelligence music conductor that conducts a symphony using sexual activity, and we basically are able to hack the human sexual arousal system using these polyrhythms and monitoring the person's feedback. Part of our technology uses an EEG to mm -hmm. to monitor how someone responds. And with that data, we can customize the polyrhythms to best meet their needs. Is my aura ring going to help me have a better orgasm after, after right? this? <laughs> it might. We'll have to see. <laughs> I love it. I, I, you know, I'm curious. I mean, this is probably a whole nother episode we could get into, but is this whole kind of rhythmic entrainment process the same for men or for women or for males and females biologically, or is this cultural? Like how, I'm curious how kind of gender and, you know, your sexual organs yeah. and kind of makeup impact this whole topic. It, it's a great question. So one of the, when I first started researching sexuality, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my background. And I guess I, I brought to it a bias that I just assumed that men and women were going to be quite different uh -huh. in this terms. And, the, and every, every step along the way has been a lesson in, in how misguided that was that like on a neurological level in terms of rhythmic entrainment there there is an enormous amount of overlap between and that goes that I, I think further substantiates our developing understanding of the non-binary nature of, of gender but what i will say is there's so an orgasm itself is actually two different rhythmic events intersecting so there's the, the process of rhythmic entrainment that escalates and eventually culminates in an orgasm, but an orgasm itself is a rhythmic a series of contractions on the pelvic floor, both for men and for women. And again, something that just doesn't get talked about when we learn about sexuality, but each human has a distinctive orgasm pattern, which if you're using biometric sensors, you can see it clear <laughs> as day. And there, there's about four different common orgasm patterns 
And three of them you almost always see in women. Almost all women fall into one of those three orgasm patterns. And the fourth one you typically only see in men. So there is a distinction. There, there does seem to be some kind of physiological distinctions in orgasm patterns. But broadly speaking, for both all genders, the experience of sexual arousal and escalating trance and culminating in an orgasm is based on rhythmic entrainment in exactly the same way. Oh, fascinating. Let's go back to Bjorn a little bit and talk yeah. about the this sort of business side. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, as CEO, I'm curious. What is this real market opportunity? How do you see this kind of applying? Where do you feel like you are in this process? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious on the business side. Like, where is the, where's the growth and where is the future for this business? Uh, the growth, uh, it's uh, because it's needed for new solutions, as uh, we mentioned earlier about the educational part. Particularly for like women in general, because they it's not so much solutions for them out there, and they haven't really yeah. been so much focusing on women. It's mostly been focusing on men, and you know we have like Viagra, and we have uh, different type of pharmaceutical solutions. However, a lot of these pharmaceutical solutions only patch the problem; it doesn't fix the the core problem that is causing the sexual dysfunction itself. A lot of like, for example, for men, for example, like ED, it's caused by performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. When it comes to women, it's all it's a lot of to do with like psychological factors. Sure. Um, so there's definitely a need for new solutions right now. We're in the sex tech industry, which is becoming uh, really big now. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a growth uh, by 2030. That is going to be an industry that is worth $115 billion. So right now it's about about 50. So it's a lot of room to grow. And the reason for this, why the sexual wellness industry has a lot of growth is because it's been traditionally a lot of stigma around yeah. sex. And sure. the same with psychedelics, right? Like psychedelics has also been a lot of stigma. But we're seeing that people are accepting this more in society and uh, people are more freely to talk about their uh, sexuality. And they, they're very curious because many people haven't really been talking about this so much. So it's so much to learn. And uh, there's so much innovation as well uh, in the space. We we just touched the layer of it, and I'm super excited to see the solution for within this market and in, in the sex and psychedelic space, the sex tech industry. And we are excited to be uh, one of the the pioneers in that industry. And I can see our company doing a lot of good things and and uh, yeah, helping people. I'm fascinated. I mean, is this? Do you envision this, or or is the model for this like a it's something I purchase, use at home, kind of self-therapy or kind of use it to work through or improve my you know, satisfaction sexually? Or is it something I work with a therapist? Are you like, are you marketing direct to, con- direct to consumers or are you marketing through th- therapeutic channels? What's the model? Yeah. So right now we are focusing on the FDA route to get the approval for sexual dysfunction okay. uh, disorder. We are looking into partnering up with the sex therapist and also see how we can integrate their protocols. Like they can, for example, a a patient that has problems uh, with their sexuality, they can go to a sex therapist and they can recommend our our, uh, solution Mm -hmm. to them to use at home. 
Yep. And, uh, and they can use our system with and without uh, psychedelics. They can use both of them. So when we say about psychedelics, we're t- talking about recreational, which is legal, mm-hmm. uh, like microdose of, uh, of um, psilocybin mushrooms, mm-hmm. and also uh, cannabis as well. Sure. And, um, and uh, yeah, and in that way, it's... it's um, relatively safe because they you know if you have a sexual problem then you're also guided by a uh, licensed sex therapist that can really dig into their story and see uh, what is needed and you know and if they use this at home uh, in their own privacy they can explore their sexual uh, yeah yeah. interesting i mean i guess what are the big challenges now i mean i you know it seems like you have a business model you've got a solution you understand the underlying kind of science and the pharmacology and the need is there like what if if you're not as successful as you want to be over the next couple of years? What what would get in your way? Like what are the challenges that you see in the industry right now? So one of the challenges. So I started as a biotech company, right in the in the sexual wellness space. Yeah. Uh, one of the challenges that I saw because we were working with MDMA uh, is to give access to the patients uh, because the infrastructure is not there yet. So it needs to to be built up and. Uh, but particular the, the the thing that we were focusing on was in a private control setting. So basically, having the couples uh, having uh, uh, wow. being together in alone uh, alone without the therapist on site. But if they need it, they could they could come and and uh, calm them down if something happened. And um, so the the challenge is 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 basically having those clinics where you can take like MDMA yeah. and not a lot of people will feel comfortable going to, to, to those clinics. They'd rather be at home. So, and, and now it's the debate of like, uh, you know, a lot of people, they want to have a take home medicine, but yeah. it all depends on the FDA if they will allow it. Right. So mm-hmm. like, that's one of the challenges. And also with, uh, when it comes to sex therapy, it's a lot of, uh, sex, therapists uh, have sex with their patients it's yeah. been recorded a, a lot actually five to ten percent have sex with their <laughs> with yeah. their patients so that's another thing and a lot of people they don't feel comfortable talking about their their whole sex life to, yeah. to some stranger as well so we just feel like with our with our system people can take this at home in their own privacy and and uh without uh needing to to expose it to people that they that they don't know yeah uh, unless they want to with some certain things yeah it's fascinating i remember seeing some research on um uh virtual nurses doing checkouts for or discharges in hospitals being so much more effective because people were willing to talk to a virtual piece of technology much more openly <laughs> and and yeah. they would spend the time that they needed right they could because they weren't feeling like they're wasting someone's time they would go there but i could see a similar thing here it's like well I, i'm like working with tech, I'm going to, like, I feel much safer. I'm going to be able to be much more open and I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to feel like rushed in a session, which obviously is like the exact last thing yeah. you want to do in this kind of situation. It's funny you mentioned that. Yeah I, yeah. I hadn't appreciated how, what a big deal that would be. And what, but uh, we keep hearing that, that yeah. they're like one of the things that people are, are most attracted to about our solution is the fact that it's not human. Every, you know, that a lot often gets like perceived to like it's some kind of a drawback, but it's it's almost always like the biggest value add because the the technology is not capable of judging you harshly. Yeah. It's like it's it, you know it, it is the the quintessential non judgmental person. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Bjorn, uh, Nathaniel, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about the work that you're doing, more about Intium, what's the best way to get that information? Intium.ai. 
Awesome. I'll make sure that links are in the show notes. Highly encourage everyone to check it out. Fascinating work that you're doing. I'm I'm very excited. I'm, like, I'm waiting for your Aura Ring integration. You let me know when you've got that done. Will do. I will be your beta. I'll be your beta program on that. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast.